Uh, what's up, Real Madrid podcast listeners? I usually have a lot of enthusiasm when I start these because I'm always excited to start another podcast. Um, but today I feel like the life has been drained out of me through an IV going the opposite way, like just one drip at a time. And it's hurt tremendously. I don't know how to feel anymore. Um, yeah. I just, I've just suffered all loss of life and being and purpose. God, is this the Real Chance podcast or a therapy session? (laughs) This is going to be a therapy session, but in all seriousness, welcome to the Real Champs podcast. I'm Mushtaq alongside Hassan. Obviously, we both work on the site, so that's why we're doing this podcast. Otherwise, it'd be kind of weird if someone just took over our podcast. Anyway, um, it's like an hour or so, Hassan, what is going on in the background? I just, I don't know. What is that noise? I don't know. I don't know what it is about you, but you always find the most ridiculous settings to do these podcasts in, and there's always background noise. I, I don't quite know what you're hearing. I can't hear it, so. <sighs> anyway, back to what's important here. It's literally just an hour or so after uh, that tremendously... I don't even know what to say. I'll, I'll let you add the adjectives. You're good at that. Describe the podcast. I mean, pluh, describe that game in a sentence. I was going to say, the podcast is fucking marvelous. Um, oh, that's obviously, that is always, <laughs> irregardless of how Real Madrid are, poor, fantastic, Cristiano, no Cristiano, Champions League, no Champions League, titles or not, this podcast is always A1, and that's why I deplore you and I ask you with as much compassion in my heart, please share this podcast with one of your friends because I'd really appreciate it. And also, we've got a lot of like constructive criticism and positive feedback from listeners and readers of the site. And let's just like really take a second to say thank you so much to all of you who do do that. We truly, truly appreciate it. So now that I've said that, go share it with someone. Love you. Thanks. Hassan, carry on. Yeah, um, it was a strange game. Game of two halves. Well, I say two halves, but it was just a game of two sides of the coin, really. We started off exceptionally well. The first half was... We did everything but score, really. Um, and then the second half, we came out and had just that 23 minutes of absolute madness. I don't know what happened there. We just collapsed. Um, and even even when we went down to the first goal, we responded quite well. I was quite happy with the response. And then they went and got a second. I was like, OK. They responded well again. Then they got a third. I was like... Well, this went to shit. Yeah, um, and the numbers just, the, in terms of chances missed, they're not pretty. We created three big chances. Every single one was missed. Every single one. Yeah. This it, it is Barcelona's was... fewest number of shots in, a, in, a, in, a, in an El Clasico game in one and a half years. Fewest number of shots I've ever had. That's scary. This game was very, very reminiscent of the first, like, Real yeah, similar. Yeah. All out, loads of opportunities, but you have to seize the opportunity. It's it's just like life. You can have everything handed to you on a silver platter, but if you don't make use of it, I mean, you'll avail to nothing, really. And that's kind of what ended up happening uh, in this match. Just like you said, Hassan, so many chances, but then also so many missed opportunities. And I don't think it's fair to criticize any one player for this loss because 
all in all, I, I mean, I guess it's hard to come. It's hard coming from me because I've kind of coined myself that uh, insanely optimistic person. Um, but there are so many positives to take away from this game. And like you said, it was a, it was a tale of two halves, or at least a, there's two sides to this match. One where Real Madrid were just like, woo, you know, on fire. Everything was just looking super sweet and elegant. And then on the other half, it was it, it was scrappier than a, a jail yard, like just nuts. Yeah, it's just it was literally just a couple of we literally did absolutely nothing wrong defensively for the entirety of the first half, like completely nothing wrong. As soon as we made that one mistake, that's just it fell apart, quite literally fell apart. But they they caught us in a scenario where we always seem to slip up, and that's. Uh, on, on the counter-attack, um, we just cannot control counter-attacks. It's been a common problem all the way through the season. Whenever the team decides to think, yeah, we're going to go a bit more offensive uh, and push everybody up, um, they can't seem to restructure themselves when they do lose the ball and the opponents start charging down the pitch. We've seen it numerous times against Sevilla, for example, against Girona. Um, it's been a consistent weakness. It's because they just... You can't really counter-press in that situation at all, let alone build anything of a structured counter-press. Uh, so Barca pounced on that. They found their gaps. And, yeah, they they got three goals, essentially, from that. Yeah, the gamble didn't pay off at all. I mean, No, not at all. Not at half, all. You know, like you said, it was up until, what, at least an hour or so, Real Madrid were still doing so well. Like, I know Barcelona scored 50-some-odd minutes into the match, but even then, Madrid, like, it really seemed like, okay, this can still be turned around. It doesn't matter. We're fine for now. But yeah, then, I like, mean, even going down, they responded. Like, as soon as we, we could see that first goal, the team responded very well. Even after the second one, they responded very well. Uh, there were just a couple of things in there that just didn't go our way, man. Like, De Stegen is, to put it lightly, ridiculously good. That guy. Uh, Amazing. He's an outrageously good keeper. Outrageously good keeper. You can't, you can't deny it. During the live tweet, I tweeted something like, oh my word, Barcelona fans, you should build a statue of this guy. Like, I, the, Here's a stat from Opta Jose. Marc-Andre Stegen has saved 47 of the last 55 shots on target. He has faced Outrageous for numbers. There's only one keeper that I can put as better than him, and that's that's Jan Alblak, who's absolutely also ludicrous. Um... He, he single-handedly saved him at the back. I think, he, according to most sort of uh, rating sites, he's been ranked as the second best player in the team behind Luis Suarez. Of course, he got two goals. Um, so you know that that's more than fair enough. But he was outrageously good in this game. Outrageously good. Yeah, it was just. I, I mean, to, like that. That's part of the reason why I can't even hate on Real Madrid's performance or find something to really go on a belt for five or ten minutes and say, you know, this was pathetic, this was embarrassing, and what have you, because Ter Stegen was just so good. I mean, that cross from Vinicius to Sergio Regulon, the header. Oh, God. Something yeah, had goal written all over it, like it was going to be in tomorrow's morning paper. I was up and out my seat, you know, jumping around thinking, yeah, we just scored turn around, and all there was the commentator going, Ter Stegen, what to say? I was like, are you kidding me? Like, honestly, though, a huge round of applause for Ter Stegen because 
we talked about this again during the game. We had a little chat, and I said the same thing to you. So reminiscent of the first leg. So many chances, so many opportunities. I think by 45 minutes in the second leg, Real Madrid could have been two, three, if not four goals up. Like, it yeah, was quite easily. The amount of opportunities and chances this team had. And I do kind of hate to say this, and it's kind of a bit of a shitty thing to say, but this does kind of show that we do need to buy a genuine, absolute scoring striker in, in the summer. I'm not saying sell Benzema. I'm just saying he should take a reduced role because we do need someone that's able to put the ball in there because we just don't have that consistently, at least. I know Benzema scored 20-plus goals this season. I know he's been big in some big moments, but today he was essentially just not there to put it in the net. I mean, he had that one chance in the first half where he just, he took the shot and there was just no venom, no power in it. And it just, it sort of just dropped into Stegen's hands. It was well, an easy not, save for him. It's not even a matter of looking into the next season. I think if you just assess this season that we're in right now and the summer transfer window and the January transfer, I get January, you can't do as much. So let's just push that aside. But you look at the summer transfer window and you see who your forwards are, who your attackers are, and you look at the people who can play as your striker, as your number nine. From the get-go, we did not have a viable replacement for Kareem Benzema. So the, the simple fact was, irrespective of what we do in the upcoming transfer window, we didn't really set ourselves up for a plan B and success in the striker role. And like you said, not discounting Kareem Benzema in any way whatsoever, but even the best of players require some help. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, we don't have that. Mariano Diaz just simply does not cut it. I, I, I know there's fans of him out there and people say, well, he's not a fair shape because he's been injured and whatnot. He doesn't cut it. Period. You're telling me that's a guy that's going to come on and make a difference. I don't think so. He, Simply put, Mariano Diaz isn't cut from the same claw. But back to this Barcelona game, like you said, he had his opportunities and, again, missed opportunity. Um, We can't be too, I guess, naive, though. There has to have been one person who was subpar in this match. Who would you say it is? Oh, it's tough, man. Um, it's it's really tough because I don't really want to pick on anybody. I mean, I thought Varane was a little bit weak in this game. I thought he he, he was just wasn't quite as good as he could have been. Um, he made good contributions. That's why I say it's hard to pick him. But he just wasn't. Uh, he was he, he was caught out a couple of times. The right side of our defence, I'd say, was probably the weakest aspect of our game today. That's where we got caught out every single time. All our goals were shipped from the right side of the defence. Which would surprise you, considering how, you know, Real Madrid line up, you know, on the Yeah, pitch. yeah, of course. Usually you expect it from the left have, more than anything. Yeah, because on the right you have Vasquez and Carvajal pairing up, but then on the left you have Vinicius and Reguilon pairing up. So it is a bit of a shock. Yeah, it's it is a bit, but um, I think it helps for what Regulon's got. Is he's got, and again, Vasquez does track a lot. Vinicius track also tracks a hell of a lot. So it's just usually the only reason we've conceded so much from the left in the past is because of Marcelo's lapses as a defender. With Regulon, there is it looks a lot more sudden, uh, a lot more um, steady now. All of a sudden, I just think a case of today was again it was just a case they caught caught Madrid and forced a mistake. They upped the tempo coming out in the second half. I don't think Madrid were prepared for that and didn't really have an answer for that. Um, and it forced a mistake and they got their 
their goals from that. Who was the best player? It has to be Vinicius. I don't think there's anyone even close to coming uh, to being described as the best player on the pitch. He was absolutely sensational throughout. He did everything but score again. And that that run in the at the Barca defence where he took on about five players in that run run. I'm out of dreams about that run for about a good three to four weeks at least. Might have to wash the sheets a few times. Um, he was just, he was ludicrously good in this game. There's nothing you could say that he didn't do. He completed five dribbles. You know, he had I think a total of three shots altogether. He had three that were blocked. Yeah, he played three three key passes. Eighty two percent of his passes were accurate. One eight eight of his ten duels. He was not dispossessed once. Um, complete performance again. Just any did everything but score. Everything but as soon as this kid learns to finish, I swear to God he's going to be the, he'll be the second best player after Mbappe. I'm not even scared to say that by this point. During that match, all I could think of was one Vinicius. Oh my God, this kid's absolutely mental. It's ridiculous the amount of talent he possesses in such a small little body of his. And number two, just the thought of having Kylian Mbappe and Vinicius both at Real Madrid blows my mind. Wet I don't even... dreams. Oh, Jesus Christ, Hassan, man. Wet dreams, boys. Why do you have to take it there? <laughs> I've only saying what everyone else is thinking, all right? <laughs> you, you say that. Anyway, back to the football. I, I don't know. It might sound insane, but you could even possibly change the formation from a 4-3-3 to just having two up top because those two are just so dynamic. But in any case, um, what do you think of the substitutions that Solari made? I mean, he made he made use of all three. First was Gareth Bale in for Lucas Vasquez. Second, you have Fede Valverde coming in for, uh, sorry, Casemiro. And then finally was Marco Sensio in for Vinicius Jr. I just found them to be a little odd. I wasn't expecting... The order was odd. Yeah, many people weren't expecting Gareth Bale to come on, but I guess when you have that that yellow card that Lucas Vasquez picked up, uh, then you don't really want to take a chance going 10 men down. So that one, I was like, okay, sure. Uh, the one two for Casemiro, I don't know. That was strange. That didn't make any sense at all. I know you're going for the slightly more offensive sort of route. I mean, Valverde is a lot more direct threat uh, in terms of running. Um, yeah, but Casemiro... Like a, but he was having a good game. I mean, he played some pretty good passes and he made some pretty good runs, so I don't quite understand the logic there. Two interceptions, one clearance, one shot, two key passes. I mean, passed pretty damn well. 95.8% Yeah, accuracy. 95%. Pretty. I mean, he freaking passed better than Tony Cruz. Yeah, they, they seem to switch roles a bit today. Cruz was doing a lot of the dirty work in midfield, like breaking up the play, and he was literally glued to Messi at times as well. Um, whereas Casemiro was like galloping forward and playing on these pinpoint passes. The only time he switched the play was amazing as well. Like from he'd be on the right side of the field and he'd send it all the way over to Vinicius, and he did it a good two or three times. It was quite strange to see. Um, yeah, I was quite surprised by that, to be honest. He, I think he had a decent game, to be honest, you know, Casemiro all round. So when he was brought off, I was quite surprised because it was, it was with 15 minutes still to go. You know, Barca could easily have gone for blood and gone for more. I mean, they didn't really, but um, that was a strange one. Asensio, I thought, did well with what he did get. Um, I'm pretty sure he rattled off a shot. He's you know fired, fired off a few passes and stuff. He did. He did all right. Bale was 
I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disguise it pretty poor when he did come on. I think there was one moment where he got through, went to fire off a shot and it went further to the corner flag than it did near the goal. I was like, that sums up pretty much what's going on with him right now. Oh, sorry. It really sounded like you were gonna keep going. No, <laughs> you're just done there. Um, I uh, I don't know. I again, I don't I don't know how I feel about the Gareth Bale substitution simply because he didn't really like his output just wasn't there in comparison to Lucas Vasquez. I mean, yeah, sure, maybe you're trying to play this safe route, like we said, but I don't know if it really worked out in the end. Asensio with just ten minutes, not a whole lot. You could do there, especially when you're down three nothing. What what else is there to to do except to try and just put the ball on target and hope that somehow it squeaks back, squeaks past Ter Stegen, who's having the bloody performance of his flipping season. But um, a lot of people were kind of hoping, like you and I discussed, this week or two is about to well a week really will determine the fate. Of Real Madrid's season, like the remainder of the season. Yeah, this loss is obviously a knockout from the Copa. Yeah, there's two cups left. Uh, not winning this, Barca are now heading on track to their fifth straight final. Well, Unprecedented, to be fair. Yeah, the the possibility of five straight Copas, which is absurd. Meanwhile, the last time we won one was at twenty four to one. Twenty sorry, even yeah. Where, you know, where Gareth Bale scored that goal, and sure, we may still all have hard eyes over that goal, and that was great in its own time. But what do you think this loss means for Real Madrid just this season alone? I think essentially, trophy success is looking, I hate to say, grim. Bleak. Uh, yeah, bleak. It's just not looking particularly hopeful in terms of picking up anything in the way of silverware. Uh, I'd say the Champions League is, yeah, okay, we're into. We've got a good chance of progressing to the next round. I'm not going to say we're through to the next round because, you know, nothing, anything can happen in the world of football. But um, if we're just, again, we're missing that clinical edge that can just edge us past these big opponents. And we saw it again today. And it was present in the first leg as well. I know, I know we got the goal in that first leg, but there were moments where we could have got another and another and another. Um, and we didn't. Um, the only game, you know, it's really clicked was against Atletico where we won 3-1. Um, that's the only time where I can say, yeah, you know, that's that's a team that could potentially go a bit further into the Champions League. Winning it is another thing. There's other teams out there that are just that bit more threatening and a bit more complete. In terms of La Liga, it's it's possible, but you need a lot of favours and you can't, basically Madrid can't lose another game for the rest of the season, which is difficult to do. Considering what happens in three days' time, today is February 27th, and on March 2nd, Real Madrid again, again. Uh, so in the span of such a short time, uh, Real Madrid must play Barcelona again. I don't know. Initially, I was, I, I think the mental, excuse me, I think the mental game is going to be is going to hold more value and have more of an impact on how Saturday plays out than the actual personnel, if that makes sense. Essentially, what I'm trying to say is, is if Real Madrid and its players can understand and take away the positives from this match and from this performance 
and kind of project that and mirror that on Saturday again, as opposed to dwelling on the fact that they're now out of the Copa. I think that really can ensure a win. And even if it doesn't mean a La Liga title, being able to defeat an opponent like Barcelona is such a great run-up and such a great morale booster before you go play Ajax. I think it just gets you so amped up and so charged and ready for the second leg of the round of 16. I mean, the Champions League has... It's been anointed as Real Madrid's title this last, you know, half decade. I think if, I just think if you can get this win on Saturday, it's just going to mean so much more in the bigger picture. Because even if you, you know, let's just suppose we don't win a Champions League, which of course is not uh, the most realistic thing to happen right now. Not saying it's impossible, but it's just not realistic. I think. Being able to go deeper into that competition, knowing we've already given up one, it it at least rubs, I, I guess it heals the wound a little faster. Yeah, um, it, it could do, but again, it's going to be tricky to, to really progress in that. In my eyes, I'm looking, if we can win on Saturday, then that puts a lot of pressure on Bars from the league. Um, considering they've still got harder games to play as well. I mean, they've still got... A, I think they still got to play Atletico Madrid again. Um, they've still got Villarreal to play. They've still got Betis to play. Uh, they've got some hard games, man. So if we could put that bit of pressure on them in the league, I mean, a win on a win on Saturday for us and pending Atletico Madrid. And yeah, I hate the fact I'm actually having to hope that Atletico Madrid win a game. Uh, that'll put them four points behind, which obviously that's going to cause Barca to shit the bed just a little bit. Um, because that that's still I don't think that's a foregone conclusion the top two at least I mean we're a long shot out but it's not completely out of the, the equation a win would take us six points behind which isn't a huge huge deficit so if I was there I'd personally put more emphasis on that so I'd feel that's slightly more winnable yeah the there's Champions only a, League. there's only sorry 13 no 14 well not only I counted that wrong, and then I realized... 13, yeah. You were right the first time. (laughs) There's a lot more matches to be played, so it's still not mathematically impossible. And there are teams that can definitely threaten Barcelona and be a little bit of a pain. I mean, they played Girona in a week's time, and we lost against them. They played Betis. They still have, like you said, Atletico Madrid, Villarreal are always threatening... Alaves has surprised many, and they've been up there in the La Liga standings. Still got Vigo to play as well. Still got Celta Vigo. These teams are all in relegation scraps, and the team in a relegation scrap is dangerous. They're more dangerous than title contenders sometimes because they'll go out and they'll throw that little bit more effort at you. Oh, definitely, because they don't want to be relegated. So as opposed to a mid-table team, um, like you could say maybe Alaves, who isn't really too fussed about where they where finish. Where they are, yeah. They're pretty much settled in you know, the upper echelons of the table now. I mean, I think they have gotten their promotion a couple of seasons ago, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, it was, yeah. A couple of seasons. So, uh, right now, they're probably just a little content at, uh, with where they are. So That and then Barcelona's Champions League title itself isn't really dead set in stone. Leon can still easily cause an upset there. Sorry, uh, I- Actually lied completely and utterly. Huascar are in dead last place, so they'll want to fight. I was mistaken with another <laughs> team. Also, Celta Vigo are going to fight because they're in 17. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Two- Vigo, in, these guys are in scraps for the relegation spot. Even even Hirona slightly are. 
Yeah, Giron are only oh, five points wow. clear of that zone, so they're, they're going to go for it. Yeah, because you have Alaves and Real Betis, who are six and seven. But then, of course, like you said, Barcelona have to play teams like Girona, who's in 15th, Levante in 13th, Salta in 17th, Villarreal 18th, Rio in 19th, and Huesca in 20th. So kind of just backing up your point that just because they are lowly teams uh, doesn't necessarily mean they're just going to lay down and surrender. They can, they can upset the apple cart. It's perfectly, perfectly feasible. Oh, uh, I would I'd be so happy. So again, I wouldn't bank on it being completely over. I'd just say it's not. Um, it's not likely. That's probably the best way to put it. Have to be realistic. Uh, lastly, I guess before we kind of just start wrapping up, how do Madrid move on from here? I think this game essentially, unless again by some uh, divine amount of luck, they pick up a trophy by the end of the season. I'd say Solari is pretty much nailed to be gone. Um, so I think from here on out, it's just a case of damage limitation, have a bit of fun on the way out, try and scrap for what's left, um, and then go again next season. I'm not saying write the season off and be like, yeah, I can't wait for next season already, which we, again, we discussed this before we came on. Um, just enjoy what's left of the season, man. Like enjoy Vinicius, enjoy Regulon, enjoy these youngsters. You know, enjoy the, you know the, even the veterans because God knows where some of those guys could potentially end up in the summer. I mean, Marcelo seems to be pruning a link to to leave. Bale seems like he could leave as well. So enjoy what's potentially left if they're going to go. And, and we don't say enjoy the youngsters like Vinny and Regulon because of them maybe leaving or anything like that. They're definitely- enjoy it because they're bloody outrageously good. Vinicius is exactly, and they're incredibly outrageous. committed to this club and the organization, but. Enjoy the fact that you're actually watching this development. Yeah, Enjoy you get to witness the next generation of football, of the next elite footballers grow into their own boots before it even happens. It's not like, you know, it, it's no longer that galactical policy. I mean, the summer transfer window will give us a better indication of how that'll play out. I'm sure some big names will come through, but you get to actually witness these players grow and develop and become the superstars that they're destined to be rather than just have superstars come in it's always great to play with the best but the journey and the process is just so much more fruitful and enjoyable when you can actually look back at it five years from now you can look back at the 2018-19 season in 2022-23 and say wow I remember Vinicius in that game six goals you know, only one, or rather six shots, only one hit the target, five missed, created plenty of opportunities, but now you're watching him with striker God knows who and maybe killing him by. I think for that reason alone, fans should really, like you said, Hassan, just cherish what's left of this season, irrespective of where it takes us in the league. I mean, of course, you just want to finish top four for sure because you want to be able to play Champions League football next year. Um, just just relish in it a little bit. Yeah, exactly, man. Just enjoy the ride for what it is. It's a loss today, yeah. It's sad, but it's not the end of the world. There'll, you know, there'll be another chance for us to get 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 the blood back, so to speak, start Saturday. Why not? Yeah, and, and the players always say, you know, and we go again, and we don't give up. And a lot of people will say that's just the typical BS footballer player thing to say. That's what any athlete will tell you, but... 
if the past few seasons have not been a clear indication as to the mentality of this team, and more so the core players and the guys who've been around through the success and are the reason of this success, I don't know what Real Madrid you've been watching because these guys, Ramos and company, have said time and again, whenever we've suffered huge losses like this, we'll go again. We're going to work harder. We're going to keep trying. And every day at the end of the season, fans have always had a reason to cheer and really just gloat to the nth degree. So have some faith. Enjoy the process. Enjoy the rest of the season for whatever it's worth. Yeah, pretty much kind of said it better. Sweet. Um, we may have a cool guest for our next podcast, the former co-editor of this page. Uh, you may join us for a little pre-match podcast leading up into Saturday. Uh, we're definitely going to try and stay on the little schedule we've made uh, amongst ourselves, Hassan, both Hassan and I, uh, to put out plenty of podcasts and a fair bit of content, especially to close out this month and heading into the next month, considering uh, the way the schedule is looking. Just to recap, Barcelona and Real Madrid will face off again on March 2nd. Just two days later will be the second leg against Ajax in the round of 16, which will be played at home. Uh, and then we go on from there. There'll be three more games. That's the rest of the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening, for joining. Uh, join the conversation on Twitter as well. We'd like to hear what you think of the performance. Who's your best and worst player? What changes should have been made uh, tactically or whatever you think? And we will be back soon. As always, Hala Madrid.